What Tennessee is doing is a power grab of ousting three lawmakers, your colleagues, simply because you have the numbers to do it. That a week after a mass shooting plagued our community, the most direct action this legislative body takes is to expel us for speaking. We called for you all to ban assault weapons, and you respond with an assault on democracy. Mr. Clark, take the vote. I-72, 25 nays. Having received the concurrence of two-thirds of the members to which the House is entitled under Constitution of the State of Tennessee, House Resolution 65 is hereby adopted without objection and motion to reconsider his table. Pursuant to Article 2, Section 12 of the Constitution of the State of Tennessee, I hereby declare Representative Justin Jones of the 57th Representative District expelled from the House of Representatives of the 113th Assembly of the State of Tennessee. Welcome to Why Are We Like This? I'm David Quinones, and I'm joined by my co-host once again, Tomas Kennedy. Tomas, what's up, man? You know, just hanging out, Florida. It's a calm, quiet, pleasant. Everything's place. going great. Yeah, I don't even know why we <laughs> do this podcast. <laughs> I know, like, you know? what do you mean? Why are we like this? We're great. And my other co-host, of course, Gerald Doherty. Jer, how goes it? Uh, pretty good. Uh, I'm alright. <laughs> Can't complain. <laughs> We are also um, welcoming back our returning, uh, maybe she should at this point be like our technically, we should just have like a fourth mic. Yeah, Yeah, our our roving correspondent, State Representative Anas Kamani, who is enduring uh, just maybe the most brutal legislative session in our collective memory. And um, she's here to tell us all about it. Representative Eskamani, thanks for joining us. Thank you so much for having me. Uh, Happy to be your correspondent from the state capitol where (laughs) terrible bills are being pushed through despite collective opposition from multiple organizations and and Floridians. I want to start with kind of a meta question about that because uh, we're going to jump into the specifics of all this terrible legislation, the six-week abortion ban and, and so on. But Man, what a bad week to be doing this. What a bad week for all this to be happening. What a bad week to try to get the like sort of feline attention of the national media to focus on the important stuff that's going on here in Florida. And I say that thinking of the ultimately kind of bullshit story of Donald Trump's, you know, uh, made for TV arrest and also the not so bullshit and very important story happening in Nashville, in Tennessee, um, which has a lot of sort of parallels with what's going on here. So our meta question to kind of kick off is, First of all, we were talking before we got on about what's to stop Florida, the, the, the Republicans in the legislature from doing something similar to what's happening in, in Tennessee. Is there a specific mechanism that prevents that? And then also, like, how frustrating is it to, 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 to be doing all this work without the light of the national media um, by and large? Yeah. And for right. the listener, we're referring specifically to the removal of state legislators uh, yeah. in the, in the t- Tennessee uh, legislature. Yeah, this is such a great, great question and just good context, too. I mean, so first of all, the the Florida legislature, uh, you know, every session, every we have rules that are approved and Democrats actually voted uh, unanimously against the suggested rules that are dictating these two sessions before us. And part of that rule change was the ability to expel members so it wasn't something we actually had in our rules before. Um, cheekily referred to it as the Andrew Nixon rule <laughs> because if y'all remember, Representative Andrew Nixon and uh, former Representative Traveris McCurdy 
uh, staged a sit-in against the gerrymandered maps last session, last special session. And so I, I feel like the Florida Republicans added this because they did not have a tool um, like Tennessee does, and now they do. So there really is nothing to stop them. They have two-thirds. Supermajority can can control many decisions, including expulsion. And of course, you know, when it comes to just the, the you know, the, the meaning of that, the effect of that, I mean, it, it, it eliminates what are going to be more democratic areas of the state from doing anything, from exercising their first amendment rights, from pushing their, their colleagues, their, their lawmakers to do more. So it not only takes away power and, and options, you know, for elected officials, but you're also at the same time taking away options for their constituents and stripping them their ability to serve. I mean, it's just so undemocratic. And it's literally the definition. <laughs> yes, I mean, I, I've been watching some of the videos with people chanting fascists, and I mean, I I can't think of another word, right? Like, I I just yeah. feel like that's exactly what it is. And and we actually shared a letter yesterday with other lawmakers um, to show solidarity with the Tennessee lawmakers. So I'm hoping to get some more Florida Dems to, you know, just express solidarity before this vote happens. But um, yeah, it's very unsettling. It's very, very unsettling. And they don't hold themselves accountable. I mean, there should have been expulsions of any Republican that aided in the January 6th insurrection, right? That's the right. irony is they don't even hold themselves to any kind of standard. Um, and they're aggressive when it comes to oppositional voices. See, now I feel like if you went down the January 6th route, you, you know, to the second part of that question, uh, of, of my question, you might actually have a little bit more success, right? Because um, again, there's so much going on. The national media, uh, I, I was listening to the daily, um, which is like a, a bad habit. I have to break one of these days. I was listening <laughs> to the daily this morning. No joke, a 15 minute like um, reverie from one of the reporters on the contour of the line for the media and the press outside of um, the Manhattan courthouse, the courthouse in Manhattan. And, and I'm like, you guys, can I, I like, I feel like I'm like, like the healthcare please meme. I don't know. Like, please just cover one thing happening in Florida or like, you know, f- feature us. How frustrating is that? Because I, I, I know that your, you know, your caucus has worked really hard to try to shine the light on what's happening here. And it, it seems to fall on a lot of deaf ears. I mean, just give you an example. Like we hosted a press conference focused on abortion funds earlier in the day. And I, we had one outlet that was there and it's so frustrating because, you know, as Democrats, like we are hosting uh, press conferences or putting out statements, we're um, actively engaging, you know, on issues, many that are um, directly impacting our constituents. And yet the attention is not there. Um, Even on, you know, topics that are pocketbook issues like housing affordability. We filed nine amendments onto this Republican housing bill that is pretty much a a big giveaway to developers, more of an incentive structure than like directly getting, giving relief to people impacted. All of our amendments failed. Right. And so I'm like, okay, this is a good media moment. Like we just, offer nine amendments focused on renters' rights and renters' issues, and each one filled in a party line vote. More people need to hear about this. And, you know, there, there was there is no democratic infrastructure to 
put together a press release and get out there. So I just did it. I reached out to my colleagues who did amendments and I said, hey, give me a statement. We'll put out a press release together. So we did that. No one bites it, right? So then I I, I just end up making a video. I, I, I watched the hearing again and I spliced up, you know, the introduction, the amendments and comments made and I make videos about it. And that gets a lot of good feedback on social media from directly impacted people. But again, no media coverage. And so right. it, it is frustrating because you basically have to create your own media with very little resources in a tight 60-day timeline. Like I will spend sometimes an hour and a half to two hours just grabbing video and editing it and putting it online. And that's on top of everything else I need to do to prepare for a meeting, session, bill filings, uh, so forth. Yeah. But it, it's literally what we have to do to tell our story because, yeah, there is no constant attention to what's happening here. Yeah, Anna, that that made me think uh, because you know we, we we have seen the propagation of like a right wing eco chamber like media sphere uh, because of these you know like social media and digital media outlets that are basically pay to play um, grifts, right? Things like Florida's Voice and the Florida Standard and the Capitalist and you know to some degree, to be honest, Florida politics. And because the, the 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 people in power, you know, are you know Ron DeSantis, Republicans in the Florida legislature, they are in a place to basically break stories to these people that are paid by you know Republican billionaires and Republican donors, and they give them le- legitimacy, right? Because they can basically break the news that are fed to them uh, by the Florida uh, legislature and Republicans in power, and so on. Um, you know, we 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 did we uh, uh, the Florida Squeeze did a story on that I wrote on on how Brendan Leslie, for example, the leads Florida's Voice, takes direct payments from Florida Republican campaigns to write uh, fluff pieces for them, um, that without disclosing it to to his readers. So you know, the reason why I'm asking this is because you mentioned that there's no or there's lack of infrastructure to basically amplify the work that you're doing in the legislature. And the traditional state media doesn't really bite uh, because a lot of them, they're just access journalists, to be quite honest. So do, I guess, do, do you see like an effort by the party or by donors or by the you know liberal infrastructure in the state to sort of like try to replicate um, that tactic from the right wing of creating kind of like an eco chamber through, you know, alternative or like so-called independent media? Like, have you seen any of that? Because that's something that's frustrated me for years that, you know, I haven't seen a lot of investment or effort around. I, I definitely haven't. Not 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 in Florida, at least. Um, I think there's been a lot of just independent folks kind of doing their own watchdog reporting. And there's a few examples of that, you know, like the bulldog has been doing that, that type of work for several years now. And at the bulldog. Yeah. Go read the bulldog. Not enough people read that. If you you No, and they've actually have done some like pretty good, you know, kind of niche random issues. Like you're kind of like, Whoa, how'd they get those documents? Right. Like, so they, they'll, 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 they'll pull some shots that are really smart and sophisticated and, and kind of unexpected. Um, you know, there's, uh, of course the Florida squeeze, you know, offers some really great commentary, you know, and, and insight. Um, but yeah, there really hasn't, there, there's been a lot of good independent bloggers out there. Um, Substacks like Billy Townsend and Jason Garcia are two that come to mind on Substack. 
but there really hasn't been like more, you know, any type of organized effort that I've seen. Of course, y'all having a podcast, right, is is adding to that that um, space of information. And it's a really important need because, you know, folks feel disempowered already in Florida who are on the left, but then they also don't have the tools to build efficacy, which is why I really try to leverage social media. You know, we'll do infographics on different bills, really just as a, as a tool to inform people get them a little mad, right? And then get them to share it with others so that they're spreading information within their personal network. So, um, you know, I, I do think that there are, are many, many tools that are available to us to try to reach more people. But again, a lot of it is creating our own media. We just can't rely on other people to do that for us. Let's transition a little bit and talk about, um, T, I think you wanted to set us up for the, uh, I think probably the biggest headline getter coming out of this um, session right now is the six-week abortion ban, right? I agree. And yeah, so let, let's go back um, to the, the the first question that we asked you, which was about the possible removal of uh, the Democratic elected leaders in, in Florida. So, you know, obviously, I, I, I'm sure anybody listening to this and all of us has uh, saw the headlines of the protests that happened in Tallahassee, a bunch of activists, along with the Florida Party uh, Democratic chair and the Senate leader, Lauren Book, were arrested uh, protesting against uh, the six-week abortion ban that has recently passed in the Senate. And the day afterwards, Randy Fine, who is one of the most awful fascist uh, trolls, Republican lawmakers in the legislature, who actually was chair of the HHS committee that, like, you know, bullied and limited and censored public comment on this bill before it went to the Senate. Um, uh, he tweeted basically insinuating that uh, Florida Republicans could use the new rules that you mentioned, Anna, to remove uh, Lauren Book uh, from office because of her participation in this activist-led protest in, in, in front of Tallahassee City Hall. Now, I personally don't think they'll do it, but it is Florida, right? So they might, who knows? Um, but yeah, I, I guess, you know, like uh, what, what I'm trying to to ask here is, Anna, like where do you see this this going now, right? That this like high profile arrest happened, these threats have been insinuated, uh, the, the House still needs to vote on this bill. Like wh where, where do you see this fight like sort of heading towards uh, regarding the six-week abortion ban? Well, I mean, to your comment about, you know, ex the expulsion of members, I I think it's it's really inappropriate in, in, in every context, but yeah. it's just, it's also really stupid because they weren't in the building. And so, you know, like, if, yep. if, if, if the new standard is that you want to expel people that, you know, get ar arrested and, and, you know, to that point are not even like convicted of anything. Right. Um, I'm sure there's many Republicans in the past that should have been expelled and, and many now, I mean, Joe Harding uh, resigned, but why was ready fine not say anything about Joe Harding stealing PPP money that should have went to small businesses. Maybe you should have expelled him. Right. So I just, I just think that that entire angle Ed point is disingenuine. It's designed to attract attention and it's just bombastic because Republicans can't offer real solutions. So, you know, they turn to just like extreme uh, uh, commentary and perspectives. But 
when it comes to six-week abortion ban, you know, things are pretty bad right now. There's no way to sugarcoat that. Um, this ban is being fast-tracked alongside many other dangerous and bad policies. And I do suspect that it, it could pass, you know, very quickly. And the other dynamic about this ban is that it doesn't go into effect upon signing. It goes into effect after it's signed, but only with a Supreme Court decision on the 15-week abortion ban. So it creates so much uncertainty for people because you just don't know what that date will be. And it will likely be before July 1st. But imagine, you know, having um, uh, an appointment made for your abortion and then all of a sudden, you know, this gets signed to law and then a court case comes down, your appointment is no longer valid anymore. Like it's just the, the type of uncertainty we're creating for patients is it's so cruel and it's just cool for the sake of being cruel. Um, but I, I do suspect it's passage and, and I, I don't see, you know, the legal landscape as being positive because of Florida's much more conservative state Supreme Court. And so it does open up the door to other options of, of fighting back, including a ballot amendment. So those are conversations we're engaging with right now. And you know, we'll know more in the in the coming weeks, I'm sure. For me, it seems like this is one of those kind of like watching um, in the World War One era, in the era of the First World War, watching uh, the announcements on you know the pre-roll news before the um, before before movies, where they would say that like oh well the you know the, the the fighting on the battlefront has moved a few hundred yards, right? Like it used to be here, now it's here, and it was it's this. It's this thing that we all sort of like internalize, and and to your point, Anna, it's like we don't really know, like if I'm a woman who who needs to figure out this healthcare, I I, I don't know where I stand, and it, it feels like we're already seeing knock on effects with that, right, Jared? I, I think that you were going to talk a little there bit. There was about an that. op-ed written in the Tampa Bay Times by an OBGYN who's basically like, "My patients are going to die if this passes." Like that's right. the other thing is like abortion. They talk about it like it's an abstraction, like it's something that's in the ether. This right, is right. this is a medical service provided by doctors, and doctors are saying, "I don't have any patients that this would help." This is only being passed because the Newsmax YouTube comment section was mad at you for making it 15 weeks because they thought that was too long. So now you're making it six weeks before they might even know that they're pregnant. Meanwhile, not just to your point, David, the patients who could be, you know, like left in the lurch, doctors are not going to know whether they can provide life-saving medical services or even just basic medical services to their patients if this passes. And I'm, I, I would be rightly concerned that you would have a, like a medical brain drain on the state of doctors who are like, why would I risk going to jail for practicing medicine when I could just go somewhere else and, and not risk that? A hundred percent. I really disappreciate this point And I want to put an emphasis on it because, you know, I worked at Planned Parenthood for six years before I ran for office. And so the issue is not only personal for me as someone who might, might need an abortion one day and someone who has loved ones who's, who, who've had an abortion, but like, I, I see, I, I see that opera, the, the, the implementation of these policies in real life. And I can't think of any other health procedure of course, that'll change now with the attacks on gender-affirming care. But to this point, I can't think of another another medical need that is as legislated and as controlled and as impacted by government. To the point where it's not about safety, it's 
purely about politics. And when you pass these these restrictions, whether they're trap laws, which trap stands for targeted regulation of abortion providers, those are the type of laws that they don't outright ban abortion, but they make access difficult by requiring admitting privileges, transfer agreements, ambulatory surgical center buildings. Like they're the they're the kind of policies that the far right has used for years when they couldn't outright ban abortion. These will have direct real life implications immediately. So you, know, you look at something like the don't say gay trans bill, still really bad policy, still very damaging, but more of like a, you know, a, varies per school district, depending on the conservatism of that school district. Like some school districts are interpreting it differently compared to others because, you know, the bill is so broad, it kind of gives uh, space for that, which of course is why Department of Education went into rulemaking and they're trying to pass rules to make it more specific and so forth. But abortion bans are like, are immediately in effect. And, and it doesn't matter how you interpret it. It's it, either you can or you can't. And so the impact is quite devastating and it's immediate. And the only option you have is to leave the state. You know, in the case of education, I, I do think every culture war is a class war. So you're basically like pushing kids, you know, out of public schools to private schools. Um, and so, again, there are some serious consequences there. But nothing's ever as immediate as when you deal with someone's health. And I, and I will say that the attacks on gender-affirming care are the same attacks on abortion, targeting the providers, criminalizing the providers, um, making gender-affirming care sensational. So if you listen to the language they use, they use language that are not medical terms, but are, are really trying to demonize gender-affirming care. Same thing in abortion, sensational language, mis- fake medical terms. They refer to the abortion pill as a chemical abortion. Same thing for gender affirming care. They say that kids are taking chemicals, right? So it, it's 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 like it's so insidious, and yet Republicans just do it all the time, and no one stops them. Like that drives me up the wall. It's like, guys, this is the same playbook from the '80s from now, right? And and yet, like, somehow we're still in the 90s, right, trying to fight this back with, like, uh, you know, Democrats who want to be nice and 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 don't want to call this out. And, and we have Democrats right now who are voting yes on some of this stuff. Jesus. We had a Democrat this morning vote yes on a bill that sets restrictions on the filming of law enforcement. I, I, just, don't, I just don't get it, you know? Like, it's just mind-blowing. Um, but... That's the situation we're in right now in Florida, where even some of our leaders are uh, are flailing, whether it's for their own self-preservation or they just don't know better. But we got to hold our own accountable as well. So I just wanted to wrap up by asking you, uh, you know, you've done a a great job outlining, you know, the the awfulness of, of these two bills that we just spoke about. But can you give us just like a quick overview of some of just like the, the worst bills or just things that you think, whether good or bad, actually, uh, that, you know, the public needs to keep an eye on as, as you know, we we enter this, this these, the final weeks of the Florida legislative session? For sure. I love to. I, I think there's already been a lot of attention and rightfully so on the abortion ban, on the attacks on LGBTQ plus community members, whether it's the gender affirming care ban, the bathroom ban, 
um, alongside the restrictions on drag performances. Of course, there's been an expansion of the Don't Say Gay Trans Bill, which also includes more book banning and uh, um, an erosion of comprehensive sexual education programs. That bill in particular requires the emphasis of heteromonogamous relationships and marriage. And so it intentionally wants to emphasize hetero relationships as being better. Um, but some of the issues that have not gotten the same amount of attention that I, I want to just amplify include the union busting bill. So there's a big bill to bust unions, increasing the requirement for membership threshold, eliminating automatic dues deductions. This is specifically targeting public sector unions and then carves out fire and police. So these are unions that are predominantly people of color, predominantly women, um, and they are the folks who pick up our trash, the folks who work in our municipalities, um, and are, are, of course, our teachers. So that is that will come to the State Affairs Committee, which I serve on, very, very soon. Um, and there's also this really bad utility bill. So there's this bill that would allow, first of all, it try you know, the legislature, legislature last year uh, decided to define, uh, you know, natural gas as renewable. So, so we're now making up what ga- what fuels are renewable in the state of Florida. So it's called they're calling it now renewable natural gas, which is like a huge misnomer. Um, but there's a bill that would allow utility companies to increase rates on customers uh, by the collection of methane. Which again is 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 a uh, not renewable. Like that is a, uh, a, a environmentally damaging way to create energy, and yet this bill would not only allow them to do that, but it would allow them to increase rates on consumers to do that. Which again, if we're gonna if we're gonna keep increasing rates, we need to move off energy that is bad for the environment and move towards more sustainable forms of energy production. I would rather we not increase rates at all. But if if you're going to increase rates, let it be for us getting off fossil fuels and producing energy that comes from um, environmentally friendly ways. And so this is a bill that will increase rates for a measure that really should not be subsidized. And yet every Democrat has voted for it so far, despite the fact that they, you know, seniors and ARP testified against the bill because their utility rates have gone up again. Um we saw environmentalists testify against it. It still passes. And the last bill I'll emphasize has to do with renters' issues. So this is House Bill 1417. This bill would preempt any local rental rights ordinance or protection. So some municipalities have passed, for example, anti-discrimination policies. So you can't discriminate someone based on their source of payment. So if they're paying for rent on SSI or veterans benefits, this would prohibit you from, from discriminating against them. You would have right. to accept any foreign payment, you know, not have that be a determiner of, of lease. In Orange County, we opened up an office of tenant services that could potentially be closed due to this policy. So, you know, I, I think it's important for us to emphasize some of these more like economic issues and, and you know, um, that might not be as, that might be a little more wonky for, for um, everyday folks, but they directly impact your life. So those are three areas that I, I'll, I'll emphasize as needing more attention and being incredibly problematic to the health and well-being and economic security of Floridians. 
Well, we know that time is tight uh, for all of us, and uh, it's on the horizon, waiting for us one day. And for more policies that you know, more policies that'll bring about the end of the world. Um, you know, we'll have you back on soon to talk about them. But um, we appreciate you carving out uh, the few moments that you were able to um, take a break from from fighting that good fight. So we really appreciate it, State uh, State Representative Ana Eskamani. Um, thanks for joining us again. Thanks very much. Thanks for having me. All right, so we're back. Thank you very much, uh, State Representative Escamani, for spending some time with us. Um, and I'm back with Domas and Gerald. We're joined by another returning guest, Jordan Zachary. And you know Jordan from More Perfect Union, from his Substack, The Progress Report, and from this very podcast where he has been a guest before. Uh, Jordan, welcome back. We are officially going to be adding a pin to your um, your varsity letter jacket for oh, your, wow. second, uh, your second it's episode. It's an honor. Well, thank you. <laughs> so, it is um, an honor. Yeah, yeah. Thank you, Jared. <laughs> Jared, Jared, I'm, I'm thrilled. Anyone who wants me on, anyone who wants me on their podcast or any sort of media, I, you know, uh, both bewildered and grateful. <laughs> Gerald is like, I'm taking the irony out of that statement and <laughs> reinforcing that it is an honor. Yeah, <laughs> I'm, I'm pleased to be here. <laughs> so, look, Jordan is going to join us to take a little bit of a more deeper analytical dive into the news of the day and maybe touch on a few things from outside the Sunshine State um, while also keeping our focus in here. But the chief thing that happened in the last week or so outside of the outside of Florida is the indictment of our most famous resident, maybe the most famous person on planet Earth, probably the most famous person on planet Earth, Donald yeah. Trump. Yeah. yeah. On the last segment with um, State Rep Eskamani, I mentioned how the Daily podcast uh, spent 10 minutes of their podcast today describing the various uh, ins and outs of standing in line to get your credential or whatever at the, like they spent 10 minutes of the podcast just talking about that. Um, And now we're about to do the same. (laughs) Oh no, you see, you missed that. that, You missed the pre-interview, Tomas. We, we, we explicitly said me and Jordan that we find that um, to be bullshit. So like, I don't know, Jordan, (laughs) how have you found it covering this sort of made for TV political spectacle, this like palace intrigue? Like what, what, what was it like? You know, it's, I guess I have to like kind of start with like a caveat. Like there's a lot of great reporters, places like New York times that do really great work and like high risk, you know, like that deliver new scoops that, you know, change the world to some degree. And so like, I, I hate the brush of, you know, everyone, I guess paint everyone with the same brush, but also I think they just fucking stupid. Um, you know, the idea that you have to be in the place where Trump's getting arraigned and like talking about it to some degree. Like I think even beyond the arraignment, there were so many people covering the tarmac, right? Like as if like he yeah. was, as if like he was going to come down like maybe in like a bat copter or like he was going to suddenly just appear out of thin air. Jordan, I have to interject here. I don't know if you saw this tweet, but like CNN actually hired a helicopter and a speedboat that had like high definition cameras mounted on both of these expensive vehicles to rent. And we're just like positioned. I think it's the East River that's in LaGuardia mm-hmm. that we're just positioned in the yeah. East River to catch the plane descending. <laughs> you know what I mean? And, uh, David, we should like cut in like the 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 video if if we do a promo on this or something because it's so funny because they get just like ten seconds of just like the plane. And uh, how much money would did they spend on the fucking speedboat and the helicopter? Just hilarious. 
they should have just come to my apartment. I can, you can see it on my window or the roof. So they should have, they would have saved a lot of money, but I think about how many journalists got laid off at CNN in the last, like however many months and how many salaries that would have covered. Um, <laughs> it's, it's funny that CNN did that in the sense that 2015, right. They were like covering like empty podiums when he was running for president, you know, they just be waiting with a countdown, just like at an empty, like whatever lectern and, um, waiting for the, waiting for the big guy. And so nothing's really changed too much. And it's, you know, I, I don't know if it's like just Trump himself because he's been a celebrity and like, you know, the dumbest celebrity we've had for about like 40 years now, or just like this would have been anybody like I, if, like had it been, I don't know, like, I don't want to say Hillary Clinton because they have a weird obsession with her too, but let's say it was, um, Ron DeSantis, for example, would they be so obsessed? I don't know. But, um, either way it, it I was at the, I went out, to, I went to the, uh, courthouse outside the Raymond more just to kind of see like how big and silly it was. And, it felt like we were in a time loop, right? It was, felt like it was 2016 or 2017 all over again. And being in New York, there were protesters and had some pretty funny flags. And, um, you know, some insane Trump people. And uh, Fox News was going around trying to get people to chip up on, like, racist questions and uh, refused to interview me when I kept trying to offer them new statistics on uh, crime in New York versus Florida. But, um, the sh- I, you know, I was saying before, there's so many... I've been to a lot of the, I used to cover entertainment, so I've been to a lot of the Hollywood premieres and award shows and whatnot, and um, covering them. I've never been invited, mind you, but um, you know, I was I was there as a me- member of the media, and there's just so many trucks and people like standing on. I guess they had a giant. Um, I don't even know, like a just a stand where so many there's so many different news networks were sitting. You know, as if like it was the as if like the Queen's funeral or something, and I don't know what they were. I mean, I wasn't watching. I was out there, but I don't know what they could have possibly been saying. Like. I don't know that Donald Trump even showed up. I, he maybe went under underground to get into the, the you know police police criminal court. I'm not sure, but um, I guess it's one of those things where you're worried that you're not going to be there and you're not going to get the coverage. But also, it it is meaningless and worthless. Um, it's hard for me to say why they do it beyond like they feel like they have to. Yeah, yeah. It's 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 it. it first of all, like the idea of him being like pulled out of there the way that like. Uh, the businessman in, in Beijing was pulled out of his building in the dark night where it was like, he was sky hooked out. I love the idea of that. Like just having some, I, I mean, like, if there's anyone who's going to put on a show, it'd be him, but I don't think he's got like the physical, the physicality anymore to do it. Yeah. I don't know yeah. if he's got how many, how many more miles he's got left on those knees. Um, <laughs> but no, I mean, it's, it, it was a, it's a spectacle, right? It was made for television. It was like a very specific, um, it, it, what did you read into Jordan? The, the reporting that, um, that this is exactly the way that he wanted it to go down, that there was an opportunity for him to do this in a, imagine that a more low key, like <laughs> low stakes environment, um, like on zoom, they said they could have arraigned him on zoom. Um, and he made the choice to concoct this, um, this media event. What, what did you make of that? Well, I mean, I first want to thank him for coming back to the city. We've missed him here for a while. You know, we still have Trump terror, but it's not the same without him here. So I wanted to thank him for that. Um, feeling his presence was really cleansing in a way, but, um, I don't know. It's, it's hard. To, there's always this like palace intrigue around him. And like, this is what he's thinking. That's what he's thinking. And I like, I mean, I have a six month old baby and I feel like that's kind of like the same degree. Like he's like super happy. And then he starts screaming and I, you know, um, Trump maybe has a little bit more deliberate thought, but um, to try and like understand what Donald Trump is thinking and to think that he's like, has some long-term plan at this point, how he's been like in the public eye in this political way for like 10 years for you to think that his guy was like masterminding something. Uh, he loves attention, so maybe he's just like, I'll go where attention is. And that's a, yeah, you know, it's like a moth to a candle or something. But I don't know. It's sort of silly and useless. Like, who cares what he wanted? He's also built himself up. I mean, it's, 
oh sorry his supporters have built himself up to be a savior so this was also kind of like a christ turning himself over to punch his yeah. pilot moment for them i think I, I agree with gerald another i do want to touch on something you said jordan because like when he got out of the car and walked you know and he was like in the in the actual like new york like street right in like the wind tunnel and like you could see the city like it was so funny because, I mean, like, you know, new, like Trump is like traditionally like a very New York guy. Right. And still is. But like we no. have not gotten an image of Trump in New York in such a long time. And he truly has like in the zeitgeist tr- transformed him, him, himself into like a, a Palm Beach, Florida man, which is a very specific type of Florida man. So, you know, yeah, it's a guy seeing, seeing him back in New York, it just optically was weird for me i don't know how you all felt about that um yeah no i feel like it, it like i said it feels good to have him back um even just for a fleeting moment um it's kind of reminded that when you see him like that though like mar-a-lago is his presidential thing right like he made it like his, his presidential uh, headquarters but yeah but in new york he has been that's the thing like he's been here since the 80s i mean long before because he was born here but like he's been sort of like a dilettante guy like constant uh, figure in the New York Post, sending in his own, like, pretending to be someone giving a tip about how gr- great Trump is to the New York Post, so they can put it on page six. Like, he kind of, like, was defining a uh, defining figure of, like, the 80s and early 90s here in New York. And so uh, it is a reminder that not just, like, was he, a, like, a, I don't know, like, a ratty president. He was just this, like, doofus who, you know, kept creating drama throughout New York in the 80s and 90s. And uh, it kind of takes you back to where, oh, this guy's not just, like, a bad president, where, it's, you know, that's everyone thinks of him as now, but, you know, he's got a long history and all of it um hilariously uh the fact that he like finally got turned into new york after so many crimes over the years in new york uh yeah there's a nice little capsule in there growing up in the 80s and 90s in new york um he was an ever-present fixture which is i'm not like breaking news by telling anybody that but like you know growing up in long island growing up in queens he was an outer borough guy so like he you know it, it it always felt though like when you start getting to an age of some media awareness, I don't know, maybe like 11 or 12 or something where you like understand that, that things on the screen aren't exactly the things on the screen. Whenever that happens, it felt like, like he was a, he was a joke. I don't mean like an insulting way of joke. I mean, like he, it was like, he was like a caricature of what people thought we were, you know, of what people thought New Yorkers were. Yeah. It was like, oh, sure. it was like, oh this is the, like when, the, when I saw him on home alone, when I was like, I don't know, like whenever that came out when I was like 13 or 14 or something, I was like, oh, they're making fun of us. They're making fun of New York because here's this slob, this schmo that they're putting out. And there's like, oh, these are the kind of guys you're going to run into in New York, you know? And it, I don't know if everybody else absorbed it the same way, but it definitely around like 2015 when he, when, when everything began, I, it still felt like people were just making fun of New Yorkers for like what assholes we are. And um, <laughs> I, I, don't, I, I think it's funny the way Tomas puts it that he's like now officially a Palm Beach guy. He's a, you know, yeah. he's, yeah, it's, it's, it's just, Funny the way that those perceptions have changed. Do people in New York think differently of him apart from like all, if you try to pick apart all the politics and you get to the mm-hmm. brain of the Staten Island guy or the Long Island guy, who's just like still thinking of him as the guy who got laid on the front page back in the day. Like, <laughs> it, like that's what they like him for. And I wonder if that's how much residue of that is, is still there underneath all the MAGA, QAnon, all the right. shit, all the layers. I mean, I would say that like, because there's not a huge number of supporters uh, for him in the five boroughs, other than like the, I guess the, technically the fifth borough of Staten Island. Um, you know, there's, there's a lot of Trump fans in Long Island, as we've seen. Uh, that's the home of George Santos, so uh, his spiritual successor, I would say. Um, I think 
certainly New did York. You see him yesterday? Did, did you did you spot him at all or no? Was he in and out? I didn't. Quick? I, he, he was, was pretty he quick. Was he was you know. Yeah. Yeah, he was ever pretty quick. Him and Marjorie Taylor Greene just made it made a run for it, but. Um, <laughs> I, I think you have to be a certain age, I guess, to remember Trump uh, as he was in New York, because then he became the apprentice guy, right? Before, yeah. uh, after he became like the, after he like the gross New York, uh, Atlantic City slob, then he like, you know, went away, then became the apprentice guy. And they, then you know, they became the racist guy. And then he became like the, you know, running for president guy. But I think if you're of a certain age, you certainly remember him as like, you know, obviously pisses you off as a president, but like, it feels like he's like our slob, our like doofus in a way. Yeah. Like, we can tell you how it was, but he was always constantly rejected by like the New York higher society that he always wanted to be part of. And I uh, take no pleasure in that because he, the people he was rejected by were also terrible. You know, like yeah, real estate developers and just you know, scumbags and Wall Street and whatnot. So um, I mean, I magazine it, owners and like oh, yeah, Mass, like people, and, you know, like, yeah, fucking, yeah. yeah. But he found um, acceptance among the people that we all know and love, which is like celebrities. Like I remember like Michael Jackson being like led around by him at like the Taj Mahal at like the grand opening or whatever it was. Like how many people actually know the names of a lot of these like white collar scumbags that he wanted oh, sure. approval from? But everyone knows who Michael Jackson is. Everyone knows OJ Simpson and all the rat. Well, pre well, whatever, you know, like <laughs> back when they were like normal or you didn't normal. See, you didn't see Stan Chera hanging out with Michael Jackson. Right. I'll tell you that. You know, right, like, right. Okay. Like, okay. I'm not going to get approval in like the c-suite or among like the blue bloods but i can get like i can get on oprah for sure and like yeah. that's most a, people, yeah i mean that's the funny part about it like he wanted that approval but what he got was much more powerful right like yeah. he became the president because all these like scumbags uh i don't say scumbags but like uh they rejected him but then like these other sorts of people like loved him and that's the funny thing about it i mean it comes down to like he's a man of the people right and this guy like would i mean he is a mcdonald's eating like uh you know bloated old man which doing ads like with perfect. grimace yeah exactly so in a weird way he's like he's found his people but he's mm-hmm. nothing like them he's found his audience but like mm-hmm. that's the thing that gets me though like he's independent he's for the working man and i mean i'm gonna go on a rant this like happened people have done since 2016 but it, it is sort of funny to see him like uh you know finally come back to new york and face his uh face his hometown so from 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 the donald down here to the state of the ronald um, we, I, I just, I, I, I caught this, um, whatever little piece of news coming across the transom. And as somebody who is, is, uh, you know, very refreshingly not in Florida, like we are, um, like Tomas and I are kind of stuck trapped. Uh, I thought I'd share it with you guys. Um, this comes from navigator, which was a, a survey poll. Um, one of the assorted, you know, research firms out there, uh, nationwide survey of a thousand registered voters that was conducted from March 23rd to March 27th. So pretty, pretty recent, right? A majority, here's the headline takeaway. A majority say Republicans should spend less time talking about quote unquote wokeness, right? And yeah. I bring this up because this has been the entire administrative mission of the Ron DeSantis uh, governorship in the last five years. Uh, I just want to throw out some numbers and then maybe we can talk about it a little bit. Majority of Democrats, 63% and independents, 52% say Republicans should talk um, uh, should talk about wokeness left, less uh, along with half of not very conservative Republicans. That's kind of a shitty um, bifurcation, but uh, 50% and even 41% of self-described very conservative Republicans saying like, it's enough with the wokeness shit. Um, yeah. And it kind of breaks into the splits a little bit, but I don't know. What do you guys think when, when I when I tell you that, Jordan? Maybe we can start with you and as somebody who is like not again not uh, mired in all the the bullshit down here. Yeah, I mean, I don't know how you guys like deal with it 
um if i had neighbors screaming about like wokeness or at all like i would like i would have to when I, I guess like if i had to leave the state i'd end up going to new york so like god bless you like i don't know how you guys just come here but um you know i mean the whole wokeness thing like they see it as my theory is that i mean florida has a democratic party right so like the fact that he won by 20 points or whatever have you over charlie chris like Wait, i don't know it's like that? can we fact check that we have a democratic party <laughs> i just want to I make mean, sure yeah. Um, you know, so like, yeah, he won that, but also like then a recent poll, he was like only 10 points ahead of Biden. And like, you know, he's, you know, Biden just got like just being destroyed rhetorically for like however long in Florida. And so his strength, I think is probably overestimated in Florida. You know, like, um, he won, like he won against like a mummy basically in Charlie Chris, like God bless him. But, um, it's not that hard to do, like just wind would blow him over. But, um, the wokeness thing, I mean, look at what happened in Wisconsin last night, right? Like, yeah. this used to be a state that is still still like a, you know, swing state. I mean, it was still like 45, 55 last night. But by far, liberals just, you know, came out big time and voted for, like, a judge who's now going to make the Supreme Court 4-3 liberal and uh, unleash, I guess, like, democracy again within Wisconsin. You know, we see, like, uh, the 2022 elections in midterms. Like, yeah, they, they flipped the House, but, like, so they gerrymandered it and only by a few seats, right, Republicans. And so... Um, they feel like, I guess it's because they've gerrymandered things, right? They have this thing that like, we've got to go so far right. We've got to go so insanely like bloodthirsty, vampiric far right, because we have created districts for ourselves that like only will accept like people that, you know, will only accept lawmakers that will feed them, feed their enemies to the lions and invite them to the forum. And so that's like, I mean, like DeSantis, like he created the maps himself, right? He has a super majority because he created the map. And so now he's got to like feed the beast and he's got to feed the beast, obviously, because he's running for president. But, you know, I can't speak to places like I'm sure there's some parts of, you know, uh, you know Bible Belt that likes the wokeness thing. But we see like even in Kansas, like when it came to like the abortion aspect, they, just, they weren't like they, they said, no, please keep abortion. I mean, look at Florida. There's a poll. I'm trying to find it somewhat recently where no one liked the stuff about schools. No one liked the stuff about uh, you know beating up on trans kids. Nobody liked all that stuff. And it's, um, you know, they just, they don't like it, but for whatever reason, they continue to vote for it. But I don't know that on a national level, it's going to, it's going to translate. Yeah. I mean, it's yeah. sort of scary. There's, there's very little, like, uh, it doesn't make you feel better because like a lot of people are just getting decimated right now because, you know, look at Tennessee, like they just control the state and they can do whatever they want. But, um, as a national strategy, it seems pretty dumb. Yeah. I mean, I, I kind of want to expand on that a little bit because I was going to go the, the, to the same place that you and Jordan, right. That like, Look, yesterday proved that the midterms were not a fluke, right? I mean, people are rejecting the Republican culture war wholeheartedly. You know what I mean? Whether it was in Chicago, where, you know, a young black union organizer that ran on a, you know, like diet defund the police campaign, one in Chicago, and then in Wisconsin, you know, complete rebuke of Republican Party politics. People just don't give a fuck about this culture war bullshit. And it's happening despite a horrible, horrible housing crisis that's not just relegated to Florida, you know, inflation that is making things really expensive across the country, declining standards of living, you know, and I don't think it's like a, you know, I don't want to blame that on Joe Biden, right? Like, that's just part of like the neoliberal project and the capitalist project of this country. Like, we are just seeing declining standards of living, despite whichever party's in office. And even, even with those, with that economic reality, 
the Democratic Party is still winning because the Republican Party is not putting forth a message on anything except bullying, you know, gay and trans kids and immigrants and just bullshit. Marginalized people. Bullshit. Yeah. Yeah. But, but, but there's, a, there's another factor here that it's not an original thought, but I, I've been seeing this in Twitter and in some like, you know, think pieces or whatever. Florida is becoming a Republican vote sinkhole, right? Like you are seeing a lot of these like boomers and conservatives and right wingers moving from Wisconsin, moving from New York, moving from New villages, moving yeah. from Illinois. They're coming into the state. Mm-hmm. And it's true. You know what? Like, you know who might be the happiest person about Ron DeSantis right now? Chuck Schumer. You know what I mean? Because he is pulling votes away from all these states and they're all consolidating in this shithole fucking state of Florida. Well, the good news is that with uh, so little vaccination going on there, like maybe like it's going to be a few years and then they'll kind of refresh so itself and watch that, the, watch out the draws that come in. But you're right. Like it, it, same thing's happening in Tennessee where like, uh, you know, like the peanut man, um, Ben Shapiro and a few other people moved to there because they wanted to make Nashville like the Republican. I don't even know, like uh, capital of whatever. And like now they're going to they're going to kick out those Democrats from the from the state house, which is like absurd and obscene and you know it's all anti-democratic. But like, I guess let them all go to a few states. You know, it's hard to say because there's lots of good people in those states. You don't want to be like, oh, sorry, suckers. But yeah, um, so you don't want to voice it, it is that true. trouble on, on poor, innocent folks who just want. Yeah, to- <laughs> um, it, it is interesting, though, that, like seeing this like resettling of you know reorganization of politics and uh, our political um, political order, like there's, you know, the Georgia's a swing state, right? Like they they reelected Brian Kemp, but then reelected, um, you know, uh, which about the senator there, and yeah. yeah, Warnock, and you know, voted for Biden on like a very close margin. You know, there's some places like Arizona, it's going to be close for a while, but it seems to me that when you look at what's happened in Michigan, trifecta for Democrats got rid of right to work, uh, and so many things going on there. Uh, Whitmer's very popular. You look at what happened with Wisconsin yesterday. It seems to me like there's a reordering of uh, states where it feels like. It's almost like washing like two, it's like, I don't know, like oil and water, like finding their own, finding their own sides. And that's like, a, I don't that's know. a really great way of putting it, Jordan, because in my mind, the way that I've been thinking about this, and I, I, heaven forbid that I say something nice about somebody like Marjorie Taylor Greene, but I do think she's a bit of an oracle when it comes to the idea of a national divorce. I don't oh, yeah. think it's, I don't think it's a good thing. I don't like it. It's not great that it's going to happen, but I, you, I, I can picture a country where, all populated urban centers are sort of considered or governed or or administered in a specific, maybe more liberal or maybe like you look at a place like Orlando and it may be more um, uh, aggressive way or, or like Nashville, Nashville, perfect example right, right now, treated like shit, um, being uh, de-represented, having their representation taken away from them and either under assault or just more like a Minneapolis, just operating under their own ages and like right. to try and progressive shit here and there. And then everything else, right? The water, like there's the oil droplets and the water. Yeah. That's a great way to put it. And I don't know. Do you guys think that that, like, I hate to give more fuel to that, like national divorce discourse, but it really does feel like where we're headed. No, I was going to say, you know, when I, when I say oil and water, I mean, I think you make a really good point. I mean, I'm on the same direction as you. I think a, like a Marjorie Taylor Greene, she just wants a divorce so that they can make racist laws. Yeah. Um, so her motivation for it is obviously very different. <laughs> to be clear. I, yes. Yeah. <laughs> but I think even beyond the urban centers, because the way like constitutionally, like states are, you know, states are, you know, have power over cities. I imagine just like 
two like two or three segments of the United States where it's like a bunch of blue states that have like a you know economic pact and you know red states have an economic pact and like there's a federalism that allows for a national army you know defense and uh, you know things like that like a currency currency in common but really like having very little else to do with one another like you can like it's kind of like an EU but you can like you know you can pass between and they have a currency and common defense but you know, it's going to get to the point where these two sides, like they're increasing democracy. And it, believe, I'm in New York and we have a horrible governor and she's a Democrat and I like yeah. really just think she's terrible. So it's, it's not like a utopia here, right? It, there's right. a lot of corporate interest and it's terrible. Sure. But you're at the point where like just on the basic level, there's going to be democracy in one place and then like not democracy in the other, like an imperfect democracy and then like no democracy at all. Mm. And I don't know how you continue to exist like that as a nation where, you know, unfortunately we are forced to have a Senate that includes, you know, like, the idiot state, you know, like the, the red states and, you know, they get overrepresented, right? And like, the, we of course have a Supreme Court that is basically confirmed by the overrepresented states that like makes rulings that impact all of us. Like now I have to like deal with, you know, there's like, you know, no gun control anymore, right? Because there's yeah. a, you know, the state, cause, you know, states did that or, you know, like the abortion is now possibly outlawed in so many places. Like we have to live under that stuff and it, it's terrible. So I don't know how it, I feel like there's going to be a breaking point. I hope it's not a violent one. And, you know, maybe it's like we changed federalism. And I guess, you know, Democrats are married to the Constitution in the sense that, like, well, we can't do it. We don't even want to expand the Supreme Court. Yeah. But I, I don't know what it looks like because I'm not a historian, nor am I like an oracle. But I don't know how this continues for that much longer because it's it's just two different countries. There's no there's no middle ground. I, so I'm extremely skeptical of the not even just like the, the like on the will it happen thing, but even like in the. There, I question how sincere they are in their desire for a national divorce for one reason. Do you guys remember the early days of Parler, um, where some of the most popular conservative Facebook groups were people on Parler talking about how boring it was because there were no libs on there to own? Yeah. And like, what would they do without us? <laughs> I, I think what I think if you need an insight into that, do you guys remember the chats that got leaked about uh, the deplorable? Um, during Trump's inauguration, as soon as it was just them in the room, they started knifing each other over who was the real number one MAGA. You think you're the number one? No, you were with Ted Cruz. I was here first. You're you're beneath. Like they would get into a a pecking order amongst themselves. Like they would yeah. turn the knives would turn inward. They wouldn't go away. Um, I think when she says we need a national divorce, I think in her heart what she what she can enunciate would be something like a national fight club. Yeah. Where you could you could hit someone you don't like with like consequence free. Like I think that's the real thing she would like is the pleasure of seeing someone she doesn't like like injured or suffering or what happened. She you. would hit them. You've seen her train on right. sixty minutes. Oh, I've seen, oh, yeah, I've seen her do the worm on the on the on the bar. I mean, I've I've seen the I've seen the vids. But you know, I, I if we were to if we were to split. You know, I, I think that they would just get bored. I honestly do. Like, I think I and that whole thing, like, this was my favorite Marjorie thing was when she uh, when she was highlighting how many people are going from these states to Florida and Georgia, what have you. She said there should be a five year ban on them voting yeah. in the new states, even though they're two to one Republican <laughs> 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 <to> Democratic. <laughs> That that goes back to what Danny told us. Danny Rivera from uh, WLRN came on one time and told us that, like, you know, while I think he might have even invoked that sentiment of hers. And he said, well, you know, what's funny because Danny's a born and raised Florida boy. He's like, most Florida born and raised people are pretty liberal. He was like, and he was like, it's the people who come here 
that have changed the the demographic. And uh, I thought that that was really interesting. Did Beto the- O'Rourke win yeah. native born Texans uh, in 2018 against Ted Cruz? Oh, I don't know that. I never I read that. So. Is that. Is that, no, that's true? <laughs> live, live back check. I, I don't have the numbers in front of me, but yeah. sure. <laughs> sure. You know what? It's true. It's one of those <laughs> things that like, it's like fizzling around. I feel, I feel like I remember it. Anyway, sorry. Why not? Um, Jordan, yesterday you posted something that I, I wanted to like kind of use to, to, to talk a little bit more um, about things that, are, things that are happening um, here. It was a retweet from uh, 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 um, somebody who we, we all know on, on online, Alejandra Caraballo, Esquire, yeah. at Esquire. It is the um, basically, uh, if, if you're a listener to the show, you already know that about this. Tomas, maybe you can help us set this up a little bit, but. Um, it was it it was a section of legislation that's being introduced that has been introduced um, that would result in and I believe this is from uh, HB I'm sorry it's SB uh, fourteen thirty eight which would um, the the net effect would be outlawing and making it criminal to hold any pride events if so, if anyone is dressed in drag right Tomas am I reading this right like what's what what's what's the the top line of this bill that that, that we should understand. That's it. That's you got it. (laughs) (laughs) Sometimes you think that there's like the the devil's in the details. Nah, man, the devil's right there. (laughs) It's just chilling. Um, And your, your comment was that we should like, not, we should just not, these people are absolute clowns. They're not, in in Logan Roy voice, they are not serious people. Um, they, they, but they fucking to us they are because they're literally right. controlling our lives. I don't know, like what um, where would you place this particular in 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 the legislation that you're following that we actually had just gotten done talking with um with Representative Escamani about? Where would you place this kind of? I, I hate to ask you to like rank how bad. What's worse, the, the anti-black <laughs> stuff, the 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 anti-Latino stuff, the anti-LGBTQ stuff? But like, I don't know. Where does this place in the pantheon of like shit coming out of Florida that that caught your attention? And is there are there other um, bills, items in the docket, legislation that's that's maybe uh, also percolating in your brain that you, you think is particularly worthy of um, of exploration? You know, with this one, it's hard to tell because sometimes I'll look at a Florida bill and be like, that's stupid. That's not going to happen. And they're like, oh, no, it's passed. Like, by like 100 to 5 and like six, like 20 yeah. Democrats join in on it for some reason. Yeah. Um, <laughs> just the worst. But um, this sort of thing, like, what I really would love um, more than anything is, A, like, I would love to know how they police that and how they decide something's drag. You know, like, are you like, what is, like, what if you are, you know, wearing like what if a woman's wearing pants like does that count as drag like the yeah. other way around you know how do you Come define and check that it. Yeah. yeah like so like yeah how, like i would love to know that and so to me that in mind it feels like a bill and that happens with a lot of the census bills like eventually they just get like paused by the courts but you wind up getting um you know you go on to get publicity after all like the stop woke act right like it's probably gonna like get knocked down in a lot of ways it's obviously colleges and businesses like can't happen and um, you know, but they get the headlines and then no one pays attention to the fact that they're like blocked by a judge. Um, yeah. so it was something like this, like, you know, I, in my mind that like, they are just trying to get on like the, trying to get on like the, you know, the, uh, the insane train, right. Where they're trying to say, well, I got to do something even crazier, right? Like I got yeah. something even wow. more nuts for you. But when I, when I said my tweet is that like, and I'll get to the bill, other bills in a second, like any media outlet that takes them seriously is legitimate political actors, not absolute crown clowns should be ashamed of themselves. And not that they aren't like in power and so like what they're doing should be taken seriously but not in the sense of like these are normal people that right. should be given respect and like, given a word like to for yeah you know, yeah yeah like when like when you go to the capitol and you know i've been a reporter and you, know, you want to talk to 
um, someone about a bill, something about, you know, there's that objective both sides type deal, which is bullshit because like sometimes one side is absolutely insane and like trying to burn the world down. But, you know, you like want to understand why they're going for something. So you ask them to like give a legitimate, you like, could you explain this for me? And I think we see it like even with 60 Minutes, like they had Marjorie Taylor Green on. And I think there's some like weird thing in like reporters' brains. Like I can crack, I can understand Republicans. I can understand it. But so long as you give these people any sort of respect and any sort of coverage that like suggests that they are serious politicians and serious, like people worthy of uh, a place in government, it just drags the Overton window to the right. You know, like they can like just ban lizards. They can just say we're banning lizards. And I don't know why I came up with that, but like, okay, that's, that's the, that's the extreme right position. Now liberals are going to have to like defend the existence of, li- uh, existence of lizards, right? Like there's no, if you, if you continue to like allow these people like, and don't create any sort of like moral uh, rubric, for any of the anything that they want to do, like I know the media doesn't want to like be judging morality, but you know I feel like torturing children and like allowing not allowing people to vote and you know like jumping in this you know like having a SWAT team arrest someone in their home because they they voted seems like you know if you I think if you look back if you look in the history book twenty thirty years later and read that and be like what the fuck yeah I think you're, you're probably safe to say like this is not a good thing if you're a reporter and um, unfortunately they don't do that um, especially in Florida you've got a lot of um really great blogs I've seen that you know, really um, seem to take Republicans seriously. And so because of that, it just allows them to continuously be, you know, be legitimized, continuously uh, pull things to the right. Jordan, who are some of the worst culprits that I, you've, you've seen, you know, in terms of this normalization of Ron DeSantis and, and you know, these policies? Yeah. Well, in terms of Ron DeSantis, what's interesting to me is like, I, I obviously look at the Florida media um, and I also look at the national media and national political media is really interesting to me. When the session began, which I guess was like beginning of the month or in February or something like that, uh, a legislative session, um, they they opened it or they said like, I think it was both political and the New York Times said, you know, a legislative session begins like uh, Republicans are poising Ron DeSantis a bunch of wins for his presidential campaign. And it's saying like, a bunch of wins. Right? What are the wins? Okay, so like, uh, you know, don't say gay gets expanded to like basically to high school, right? Uh, uh, abortion gets banned at six weeks, which is basically an overall abortion ban. Um, you know, like no one can pass rent control anymore. You know, like no one can. You know, in more insurance bullshit where people are just getting like charged to the nose for property insurance that doesn't even give them anything. Like those are wins, I guess, but also with people getting really hurt. So when you view it as like a binary, like this is a win for him and it helps him in his presidential campaign. One, it's dumb because I don't think any Republican primary voter like is studying the legislation and the uh, positions of candidates. But um, two, it, it just legitimizes them in a way that says like it obscures the fact that these things actually impact people. And so you're not portraying someone as a guy who is like cruel for the sake of it and for the fun of it. You're portraying a guy who was like a you know like a just like a, a governor who does uh does bills and then like runs for office and so i think that's a big problem like he's so detestable when you see him on like in person you see him on camera like he does himself no favors you know like he is the second he started like making national appearances his numbers went rock bottom because he's like he's like the worst person at your at your job right like yeah. there's donald trump is like a clown but Ron DeSantis is the worst person in your office and you just want to like destroy him but you can't step right. across the year or something like that and so he's doing himself no favors but if he had any sort of personality that wasn't just like defect after defect after defect um he would be being constantly given gifts you know constantly giving like in-kind gifts because they'd be like well this this guy's got a great presidential campaign running he's, he's really ready to go and like because we decided that he's the presidential contender yeah i mean like imagine running a guy like this in like 
2000 or 2002. You just couldn't. He'd be so off the deep end, nobody would even take him seriously. I mean, like the most frustrating thing about Ron DeSantis for me, and I know, you know, this is not something that the regular media could do. So it's just kind of a little bit, you know, whatever, me derailing a little bit. But like, and I'm going to just be flipping about it. He's such a fucking pussy. Like, he's such a little bitch. And like, I'm like, why won't, like, he's so easy to dunk on. And that is what Donald Trump is showing the world right now, which, you know, I also yeah. hate Donald Trump. No, no, like, I'm not trying to put that guy on a pedestal, but like, he's kind of showing Florida Democrats how it's done. On the right. media. He's the most I mean, effective he's... communicator for Florida Democrats right now. Yeah, Donald this Trump is, is in terms of again, speaking out against DeSantis. Yeah, he's a fucking loser. And like, I'm like, why? Why haven't you guys been dunking on this five eight cuck, nasally voiced whiny little bitch for the last four years? You know what I mean? It's ridiculous. They have built him up as this like Titanic figure in American politics. And, you know, Trump demolished that in, like, what, like, five weeks? Ridiculous. Yeah, there's there's a way to show that he's both a fascist and, um, like, a little baby, right? That he wears a diaper, but also, like, yells at people. You know, that, that's the sort of thing where, like, he's... I don't want to say Napoleon, because Napoleon, like, conquered stuff, but he's got this complex where he's, like, a little nasally man who, like, tortured... Well, I mean, give him credit, I guess he, he's, he was able to be tough at... at um, Guantanamo because he had the you know strength and military behind him and tortured a you know, bunch of different uh, people. I think he like had he authorized like protein shake uh, shot through people's noses or something like that. Um, so he was you know he he is like you said he's um, just kind of a bitch and kind of like sort of a guy who will like punch you in the face and hide behind someone bigger, right? You know he's always got those cops behind him, all this like all these ridiculous sheriffs that he like went to like a casting call for America's most like for like, uh, you know, cops, you know, from the nineties and like found all the guys who like didn't make the show and just put them behind him. Um, and so he's really easy to dunk on, but also like, he's such a pernicious little fuck. And I don't know why the coverage doesn't reflect that. Like, even if you're like, we want to cover him as a presidential contender, like cover what he's done. And there seems to be like, because he gets votes that legitimizes and that makes it okay. Right. And it washes everything like, away. Yeah. Right. right. Like yeah, their, seems, de- yeah. their definition of a moderate is someone who's emotionally moderate, not someone who has like any set of like, you know, political instincts or consensus building or what have you. They're just someone who can not go off like the rails in the style that Trump enjoys doing for the fun of it, like you were saying. Right. Yeah, I mean, it's like they call him like uh, disciplined, but he's like, I would call it like sociopathic. And, you know, like just because he doesn't like break out a fire hose and start spraying everybody, you know, or throw hamburgers at them or whatever it would have, he doesn't mean he's like disciplined, it just means he's like an insane person. But he he winds up getting the benefit of the doubt so much because they want another main character and they want Trump gone. They want a guy, they want to set up this fight between the two of them. And it was like, it's like an elephant and a mouse, you know, <laughs> trying to like, they're trying to like make a big, uh, you know, like, uh, you know, pay per view match between. Yeah, there's a point where you like look at Andy Kaufman and you're like, well, he's not just committed to the bit. He's severely autistic. It's like, that's who he is. I'm a big not- Andy guy. Yeah, I love Andy. Like, come on. <laughs> um, but I'm glad that you brought up um, the sheriffs, Jordan, because there's one thing that we haven't talked about yet. And we didn't talk about this really with um, with uh, with Anna either. And that is the passage. Um, and again, uh, T, you know, keep me clear here or keep me honest here. I don't know if it's fully passed or what we can expect next, but um, permitless carry or constitutional yeah. carry uh, as, the, you know, as, as, as the um, proponents of this legislation across the country uh, that's wending its way into different red states have called it. Um, 
going reinvoking my history as a New Yorker, we used to look at Florida as this dangerous backwoods, not just a backwoods, but like a dangerous place. Like you come here and you might get shot. Of course, this is the cocaine cowboy days or 80s, 90s, whatever, when it was pretty fucking dangerous down here. It's I, I don't know how this has gotten lost in the assorted critiques of New York, Chicago, San Francisco being lawless hell holes or whatever. It's vastly more dangerous down here in Florida. Sure. And adding to that, you know, melange of, of, of accelerants were throwing in this match of permitless carry. Um, like Tomas, where, where, where are we at with that? Is that going to happen like any day now? Like what's, what's going to happen with permitless carry? Bro, it's, it's, it's done. He's signed. I know, but like, can they do it now? Can I do it now? I, I might have to go what? do it now. I have to go buy some gun. Go get yourself a gun. Yeah. <laughs> I'm sorry. So Another, you, you you gotta, what was your question? No, I was saying, like, what are the practicalities of, like, when will permitless carry take effect? Like, when will people actually be on the streets who are I, armed without any background checks or or um, even the most cursory of training? I'm, like, 99% sure. And if you're a listener, go check this. Uh, but it, uh, July, 1st, July 1st of this year. It signed into, he signed it into law this week in, um, in a press conference behind closed doors. No ceremony. No pictures, nothing. Um, because, you know, I mean, 77% of Floridians, you know, oppose this. And that's what the polling has shown consistently around yeah. 70 to 80% of Floridians against it. Uh, and, you know, and he actually, like, he was asked by, like, these Second Amendment lunatics about it in a in a, in a rally in Georgia that he had the, the day, uh, I think, after he signed that, if he would do open carry. At a gun store. Yeah. And he said, he said yes, I, I, if I can get them, he said, if I can get the votes, I'll, I'll do it. And for the listener, because there's been confusion about this, permitless carry means that you can grab your gun and walk outside with the gun in your pocket without any sort of permit, training, or licensing. Open carry means that you can display your gun, right? But they're two different things. You can have open carry while requiring the licensing to carry it on you. So in Florida, you don't need the licensing or training or anything, and he wants to also allow you to display it openly in public. And I'll just start, like, I, I also want to say, I'm a gun owner. Like, I have a Glock 19. You know what I mean? So, I, I you know, I I, I, I get it. You ain't going to catch the moss slacking. <laughs> no, I, I get it. But, like, this is fucking insane. Like, you know what I mean? The fact that they're allowing people to conceal carry in this in this state with no sort of licensing is fucking lunacy. It's also like, I think most people just end up shooting themselves, right? Like it's yeah. uh, one of those things where if you don't have the training on it, shooting yourself. Like I've never, I live in New York City and, you know, it depends on where you go in the city. I mean, some places are more safe than others, but I was at that, uh, that, you know, cuck fest yesterday at the, you know, watching, waiting for Trump uh, to, to sign in or to, to get arraigned. Um, and this Fox News reporter who was like, I guess he like Ben Shapiro with hair gel or something, he's wearing a big red tie. He's really smug and annoying. He's going around talking to people, asking them like trick questions about like, well, why Jesse is Alvin Bragg? It wasn't even him. He was like, oh. you know, like Jesse Waters' intern. He's going around like asking like, why why is Alvin Bragg prosecuting these, you know, this but not violent crimes? Letting people back on the street. And, you know, it was people who were just like there to mock Trump, which is great. Um, they didn't really know what to say. And I, I tried to barge in and then I followed him around a bunch. And kept offering to my expertise if he wanted to get you know, the, the truth out to his viewers. Uh, he didn't want it, but uh, like gun, like crime rates in Florida far exceed New York, right? Oh. Like it is so like every single crime. I think there's like one that doesn't, and it's like uh, I don't know, like stealing 
I don't, I don't even know, like stealing subway tiles or something because there's no subways in Florida where like every single crime is worse, happens more often in Florida. And so I think it goes back to the whole city thing. It's like Black, Black Lives Matter. Like there was no violence in different cities and they just made it seem like those cities got burnt to a crisp. And now they just continue that narrative where, um, you know, they're, they're happy to come here for fundraising, right? They're happy to come to like the New York, to the Nazis, Manhattan Young Republicans, but you know, they'll still like talk about how disgusting it is. Whereas they go back to like their pig farms, I guess, where, where they have like their capitals. Yeah, I would love, by the way, to see, you know what, listeners, if you're out there and if you're like somebody on the right and you're listening to us, hey, awesome, congratulations. Do me a favor. I would love to see us, all of these buildings that have been burnt to the ground and destroyed and demolished and like completely wrecked by the BLM protests of 2020. I'd like, to, can you share with me one of them where it hasn't been implicated that like there was a member of law enforcement or a right-wing agitator that was a part of the group that did it because I went back recently and looked over this and Jordan, I, I know you did some reporting on this stuff back back then. I think I remember seeing something coming out from, from you. I don't know if you, if you ever focused on this area of it, but like the, the, the right-wing agitation that kind of made it all look like it was like yeah. a, a, a lot, a, like, you know, actual black lives matter people, tearing things down. I mean, I think of like the umbrella guy and all of these, these, these paid actors that were in Atlanta, these, that when you, um, you know, reverse image search their faces, you'd find that they were just like paid extras with like seven or eight different, um, you know, uh, movie cre- or TV credits and shit like that. It, it, it's like, I, I go back to the idea of Chicago and San Francisco being villainized. And I go back to like, if you just do it, this whole issue of gun control, if you scrape even a centimeter deep on any of the GOP's arguments, they're bullshit. Where it's like, yo, all you have to do is look like 50 miles to the east of Chicago and be like, oh, what's the problem in Chicago? Oh, it's fucking Indiana. Where all of the guns in Chicago come from. And I, I don't know. I just, I, it's, it's, it's really infuriating. To, to, to what's me. interesting is, you remember like they, what was that like weird little guy um, who shot two people dead and then got away with it? Um, Kyle something. Rittenhouse, like, Kyle Rittenhouse. Yeah, yeah. He, yeah, exactly. He, he like drove to some cities to like defend. Uh, he was very concerned with small business owners, Wisconsin or something. Um, yeah. and that was me there. at seventeen. I was always worried about small business owners. When yeah, I was 17. forever doing okay. and, I, and, I, and asking for rides from my mom to, to go protect them. <laughs> yeah, imagine like getting in a car with your mom with your AR fifteen or whatever it is. Imagine like, being the mom. Yeah. <laughs> Supporting his extracurricular activities, I guess, is important. Like, well, you know, we got to support him. He's not doing that great in school. And uh, if it isn't GOP, you know, um, like weird uh, modern day media creature, then I don't know what it's good. Community college? I don't know what it's going to be for a for, for right, He's got to have some hobby and it's got to you know, go somewhere with it. But like he went there literally to make things worse. You know, and he killed two guys. And they still feel like, oh, it's actually it was the liber- liberals doing it. Like he drove across state lines to kill two guys, <laughs> scot free, and got off scot free. Yeah. So, with all that said, our guest today, um, along with Anna Eskamani earlier in the show, was uh, we want to thank Jordan Zachran. Jordan, where can people find out more about you and about uh, More Perfect Union and Progress Report? Um, hmm. where they can find me is like Google me. I'm the only one with that name. Um, Jordan Zachern, but um, and we'll have uh, links yeah, in the bio at, as per usual at, at Twitter. Jordan Zachern, uh, more for the union I work at is a uh, more perfect us on Twitter. I can't remember, but I think that's it. Um, progress report to substack.com and follow sword, which is um, uh, a very good newsletter about DeSantis at uh, Tomas. I, he's, he's involved in that, and that's uh, swordfl.substack.com. Um, uh, yeah, I'm just like just a poster, congenital, and so like. <laughs> 
come get your fix, I guess. The sword is coming from inside the podcast. Fellow postings, welcome.